Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You are listening to Be The Change, a podcast of conversations with true visionaries who are creating new paradigms for a healthier planet and society. I am your host, Christine Demick, and my work is in finding real solutions to the biggest problems we face today, climate crisis, capitalism, social injustices, and our failing health. There are amazing humans out there that have answers, and it is my mission to have their voices heard. Together, we can raise consciousness and create a just and equal society. Together, we can be the change. There is so much action and effort to get kids vaccinated and back into school for their mental health. But who is tending to the mental wounds they suffered from being home the past year and a half? Do parents and guardians even see it? Today, I am joined by Seth Kritzman, an adjunct instructor at Fordham GSC and a New York City guidance counselor for a public school in Manhattan. He and his colleagues see firsthand the effects isolation has had on our children. And there's a great concern this will be a scar they will carry with them for years to come. So how can we help them adjust? And what will a future society look like led by children of the pandemic And is it really a good idea to continue a work from home policy? These are just a few of the questions we will touch on today. Join us in discussing, are the kids really all right? Welcome, Seth, and thank you for being the change and being on today. Thank you for having me. Uh, It's a pleasure. So for everyone listening, this topic came up between Seth and I on one day about how the, the kids are doing. And we were talking about my son, Rome, who Seth knows, and he was... You know, I was saying how well adjusted he was, right? Like how he's so excited back in high school and like I just couldn't be happier. And I was shocked to kind of hear what the difficulties are you're experiencing in middle school and that this is really widespread. And then Seth, like literally like a week later, it was like Gotham had covered it. And now I got this email from the school, right? That they're Mm -hmm. going to be checking on our kids' mental health and that they have, it's called the cell. Yeah, like, or the DESA is the other term. I think that's the name of the actual screener. And so while I realized in discussing this with you is that I'm one of the lucky few and that actually there may be residue that Rome is carrying around or that all our kids are carrying around that we don't know about it. Can you share with us some of the issues that you're seeing and what you're dealing with? Sure. I mean, I think like some of this is to be expected, like at least I expected it, but not to like the intensity and the constantness of it. Like there's just a lot of from the simple things of like, how do we sit near somebody else? Or how do we like be in the classroom with like 30 people that we haven't seen in over a year to just not making the connection between switching from online to real life and seeing real people in front of you, a real teacher and everything else. And like the way the words impact us but when you put something in a chat versus like putting it, saying it in person or when you're on a chat and then having to face that person the next day, there's a lot of like issues around that. And then there's just like navigating the physical space. If you like somebody bumps into you, is it like intentional? And then how do you react to that in that moment? And you don't have like the space that you have in like the virtual space to be able to not react or just to like 
block somebody or to like leave them on red and not like respond to because all these things that we're like navigating. So there's that. And then there's just the pressure of like a regular school day again of waking up early. So people are more tired and then not going to bed at the right time or like before where you could go to bed later and then wake up and roll out of bed and just be log onto your classroom camera off. Now you have to be in a building. You're supposed to sit upright. You can't eat or drink when you want. There's all these things that like happened over the past year and a half that people are really adjusting to and kind of were thrusted into it. I think we all knew it was coming, but at the same time, it's hard to like prepare until you're actually living it. So, so all that. these little things. So I can imagine that it's like, it's causing like your day to day. And so parents are back to work and they're like, Oh, thank God, you know, my kids are in school. So many, I mean, I have one child, so I can't imagine having three and having been in uh in isolation and what that was like, you know, and I also have one who's, you know, he's older now, so he can manage things on his own. But I can see that like the kids were used to having like, well, why can't I drink anymore? Why can't I do this? And what I thought was really interesting that adults do as well is this kind of etiquette that you were saying, like, it was so easy to write and type things in a text or these like rageful, it's like email rage, right? But yeah. then when you actually have to show up and see that person the next day, it's a whole mm-hmm. different story. Exactly. Well, I think it's also just like saying it in like a chat or in, online and then like not understanding that coming in the next day and being like, hey, how are you? And that person upset with you. And it's like, why are they upset with me? And relive that every day. It's like, well, I didn't... I said that yesterday or I said it online. I don't know why they're feeling this way now. And it's like, no, your words have power, whether they're online or in person. And I think it's easier to be more bold when you're online, when you have to like deal with the immediate response or like the facial expression or something, the energy of that, the repercussions of those words in person, it's different. And people are more responsible, I think, in person than they are online. And some of that is normal adolescent development, and it's just the testing itself. But some of it, I think, has been exacerbated by the fact that we have been allowed to be isolated for so long and only deal with the people that, like, yeah, we have been isolated for so long. Yeah, or deal with the people that we're most comfortable with, as they say, yeah. that you you wouldn't treat strangers the way you treat most of your family, right? When you're close with them. And then now you kind of... it's losing that, um, I don't want to say manners, but I guess it is like how you relate to other people and being on your best behavior and, you know, kind of, I don't know, I guess, you know, maybe people got lazy and and the whole world changed. Well, I think some of it was just like, when you said people that you're most comfortable, I think our sense of community has shifted and like what our definition of community is, because the community that you like knew before the pandemic or like before the world like changed on March of 2020 is different than the community that you like associate with. Like at first we kind of all hunkered down and like you stayed in your apartment, you had like your family and then you slowly like expanded that circle that are just kind of in that same community. And I think that's the difficult part that we're dealing with right now. And I think we also forget that not everyone has a great home life. Mm -hmm. Not everyone's home is filled with food and joy. And, you know, there's a lot of difficulties going on. And I know even if there wasn't to say that your relationship wasn't stressed during this time would be a lie. Right. Right. Well, and I think a couple of things is that like one, people had this time away very differently. Some people 
like their home life. They had, they were isolated in their home, like not having been able to leave for months at a time, maybe only for shopping and other people sort of living a very great unscheduled life, being able to be in homes with more space or being able to be out there and like do activities that they didn't get to do. They're like what they wouldn't normally get to do during the school year, have school from anywhere, right? Like not have to be in New York anymore. And I think part of it is like challenging when you come back together and you're like, okay, now we're all back in the same space and we all have to like work together. Whereas some people are very excited to be here because they came from a worse they weren't in a great situation. Other people are like, well, I had a great time. I don't really want to be back here. And then how do you match that tenor? Like get people all on the same page is, is difficult. And like, it all has to happen at the same time. You're doing that as well as we're back to like the schedule and everything else. So it's like, it's, there's not enough. Um, it's hard. And like with adolescents, the other last thing I was going to say with adolescents, this is a time when you don't want to be with your parents. Like this is the time that you're supposed to be like pushing that independence. And that is the normal thing. But the first time you weren't allowed to like do that, you had to be like with your parents and you're like, wow, like this is not what I want to be doing at all. So, <laughs> Yeah. I wonder, do you think that was more in girls than boys or do you see that as a 50, 50 or. I think it, it can manifest itself in different ways. Like I think for what I will say from like, anecdotally for my sense boys had a different they had an outlet through video games mm-hmm. and they had that community through video games and they could chat and they could like lock themselves in there whereas like girls can definitely play video games and they had that same thing but it didn't seem to like fulfill them in the same way as like it fulfilled some of our boy students um, yeah those so, who identify yeah, as male yeah my son did spend a lot of time. The thing that I was concerned about with him going back was his attention span one was whether he was going to be able to like hold that and sit in the classroom and not fidget. He did come home with a lot of like the erasers ripped off the top (laughs) because it is, it's like sitting into a lecture, you know, he went straight into high school. So sitting his periods are there's 70 minute classes. It's not 30 minutes or 40. So I think attention and then, the other thing I noticed with a lot of the kids is the mask wearing and the mm. concern about getting sick or about catching something or about being safe. The idea of safety. We've worked a lot at home, you know, what safety right. means, right? Because it's kind of like the wild, wild west out there, or at least it felt like that, you know? Right. And I think for parents too. I mean, I think this is true for adults as well as like as people with different comforts and some people are more risk adverse and so some kids are very comfortable and and really like resist the mask and other kids are much more frightful and like we'll have like two masks on or maybe because their parents really like reiterate that and i think that masks are great and they protect us from many diseases but there's also the downside of it another way to like depersonalize the person sitting next to you because you're really only seeing their eyes and you really maybe don't know and i think that's challenging and then you can't for some people who like aren't don't speak as loudly or their volume it can be harder to hear them too and then there's like a frustration that builds because nobody's able to understand you and then how do you get that so there is like i think in the beginning we had students who were a little bit more nervous but it feels like as like the days go on it gets better and people are like letting their guard down i definitely you know, there's a lot more mask reminders happening now than there were, were in the beginning of the year. But I think it's it's hard because I don't know what everybody's like experience coming into school and from their home is very, very different. Yeah. 
It's hard to sometimes remember that. I have moments just when you're sitting, I'm sure you have this all the time and you're wearing the mask and you're talking to people and then you just suddenly just like kind of step out of your body, look around and you're like, oh my God, I'm living in a world where we're all walking around with masks, talking to each other. And it's just like yeah. it, the heaviness of it, I guess, hits me, you know? Yeah. And you're just like, how sad that we can't see, like you said, our friends smiling or laughing and but then you think, oh, they're kids, they're resilient. But it's not always, I guess. So how can we tell if our kid is struggling? Are there signs that we should look for? I, mean, I think like if anything, like there are things like if their frustration tolerance is lower, like if they see them getting more agitated, more frustrated, like easier or things that, I mean, energy level shifts, right? It's like, I think that's like a big one or any like big mood swings or changes in behavior tend to be the thing or something that seems to bring someone joy before you're like, Oh, there's something you really enjoy. And like all of a sudden, like they don't care. Like those are, those are signs. I think like we, one thing that like seems cool is like you enjoyed like going to lunch or something like that. You would not be alone. And that way now you see them like drifting backwards or like not with their group or like they're disconnected. It's a concern. I think the other part of that makes it really hard is that like something that I have like seen and heard a lot this year is that like, they're disconnected from their peers in person, but they have a whole friend group or like social support network online. And that is where all their energy is. And people that they may not have met or they may never meet and that live in different parts of the world and different countries and everything else. And like, they don't know, but that's what's supporting them. And that's, but it's, they look withdrawn in person, but then you, it seems like a good support network to them. I think there's other issues. There are flags that I would raise to me that I would, but that is something else that happens too. So just, it's hard to say what is like any shift in behavior. I think we probably should have a conversation. And I think that's like the way to do it is just to be in tune and like not force conversation, but definitely try to like have open channels. Things could be fine. You alluded to it earlier, like with your son, like it could be fine. And then all of a sudden, like something happens and it's just like everything comes crumbling down. And I don't think like we can put like a time limit on that or we just don't know. So it's kind of always being vigilant and like noticing any shift in behavior or changes in like patterns or anything like that. And long-term, I would imagine, because I think, again, you know, it's adolescence, right? So there's times he comes home and he's just shot and he's lays in his bed and just stares at his phone, which is, you know, but I guess I used to lay in bed and watch TVs. It's like how long that lasts. And I know he's tired and you just had a long day. And it's also, that's another thing, like physically, we haven't even discussed that. You know, kids are like laying around for a year and a half or for the most part. Now, you know, I was real careful for his after school activities. I didn't throw him right into it, you know, let him kind of tell me. And that's, you know, my son, I know my son and I know he's going to do that, right? Because you could overschedule your kid. But for me, like it was an extra effort just getting up and going to the grocery store. (laughs) Right. And it's like building up. We have to build up our insurance, like if anything. And I think it's hard. And I think the inclination can be and there's no it's not easy right there's no like manual this is how you build up for your child you're supposed to like do like two hours one week and then you can extend it to three extend it to four like that's just not how that's not human behavior that's not how people work and you really have to like know your family know your child and that takes a lot of work too but i think like having a constant conversation around that or constantly like looking at that and like checking in and being like hey do you want to do something more of this or the other? Or maybe try this. You seem to really enjoy this and like that. But it is hard to build that endurance too, I think. And we all, 
we can have good weeks and bad weeks and good days and bad days and good mornings and bad afternoons. I think that's hard, but it's, and so it can feel like, I think one thing that I'll say is families want to know, like, how do I know? Like, how do I do, am I doing this right? Am I doing like, and I can't get a read on this. And it's like, that is a challenge, but it is, you can't dip your like toe in the water and be like, okay, it's cold. That's it. And now I'm like, done. I never have to like feel it again. You kind of have to like constantly keep taking the temperature and have like established lines of communication and established, not like net formal check-ins, but like just ways to like monitor and to check in to see how things are going. Because I will say like the beginning of the year was a big lift, right? Like we were just beginning and everything was being thrown at you at the same time and everything else. And like, hopefully now that we're, things are like evening out, but maybe the evening out part is really challenging. And that's going to part of the time when things fall apart. It is not easy. And like, I, you wish that like you feel for it. It's not an easy time to be a parent through all this too. And so you feel really, it's hard. It's hard for everybody. And I think families try to be, our parents try to be strong for their children, but hard yeah. and it's a big ask of adults yeah it's a big ask yeah as you're discussing that i was just reminded when i i was younger my mom was a single mom and she was just working all the time you know and i just listen i got <laughs> we won't that's a whole other episode we won't go into what i did <laughs> as an adolescent but <laughs> i will say that i think a lot of it it was extra and i will say i think that it, a lot of it could have was preventable or wouldn't have happened if someone was asking me how I was doing. I didn't have anyone doing that. You know, my mom came home around eight o'clock at night. I'm not holding that against her, but there was no one asking me how my day went, what I was involved in. None of it. None of it. I just said, you know, I'm going to go to Lisa's house and spend the night. Okay. And that was fine. And I was 15 or whatever. And meanwhile, I was in New York City at a dance club at Danceteria dancing with Madonna. So funny now, but if my son did that, I would be mortified. You know, and and my husband's like that, you know, also a wild, you know, teenage years or whatever. So anyhow, we both come from the part that you can't ask too much. Right. Uh, Well, I think school has shifted a lot from like when you were in school and you and I were both in school, like to now, it was like, as long as there are grades and you were showing up to school, like people are like, okay, that's fine. They don't really worry about you. You weren't causing trouble and everything else. Where now we've like, shifted to this a greater awareness around the importance of social emotional wellness and learning that has to occur and it's not something that can be just you can't just assume people are know how to do these things mm-hmm. so i think that's the opportunity that we have here in this time is like these things have been happening for a while but i think this is a good time to like reevaluate and really look at like what skills need to be retaught or what skills there are children need in order to like come through this stronger and come through this as more whole than when they started because it's not an easy ask but i do think kids are resilient and if given the right support and they can come out stronger and better in some ways too you know we're having this conversation from a place of privilege and how do we help the children who there could be drug addiction at home, alcoholism, parents who have fallen into a deep depression from this, no job or you know money not coming in. How do we help those children to have a, a safety net? That is always like the million dollar question. And I think yeah. it's like, so yes, we, we were talking from a place of privilege, but I also think we're fortunate to live in a city like New York that has like programs that are out there and it is on the forefront of a lot of people like the conversation around like mental wellness 
is happening, right? And that is something that people are aware of. And so it's about linking them with services and just checking in with people that we think are at risk. I mean, I think schools are like the schools are always like the entry point for mental wellness, right? They haven't always been given the resources, but schools have always seen the signs early on and they know and are a great way to identify families that need more support. And so the trick is, I think, to give the schools the ability to make those connections because there are great programs out there that are catered to families that need that support. And it's not just the child. Like I will say, I think you think about this, sometimes it's like the child is the one that like draws the most attention. But typically, I think in these situations, it's the child and the family that need that support. And it's about giving, keeping families together and really linking them all to support services like let's just check in with the child and say they're okay and then check in and be like okay fine that's great but like who's checking in on their parents and who's checking in on them because there are services out there for families it's just making sure that they're connected in the right way and i think there's the nyc well hotline which can be helpful it's not perfect i think there's no like perfect system but there are resources out there and it's just a matter of like people identifying them and linking them together yeah I know that there are some schools that have fantastic PTAs and that have looked out and it's that sense of community, which is now where I want to bring the conversation to and talking about community, because that was another thing that struck me. So when we were talking, you said you had great concern about what you see in five to 10 years and these children and their futures. And I never even thought about that. You know, I mean, I think most of us don't, you know, we think about next day, what do we have to make for dinner tonight or in two weeks? But wow, yeah, what is that future without community and where everyone's remote? And you don't think it's a... I mean, there's also that talk that everyone wants to like, now we should all work remotely because we did it and I'm happier at home. But you don't think so, right? You have an opinion? No, I don't. Yeah, tell me why. Tell us. I think a few things. One, And I want to like say, recognize the fact that like, I understand it's easier for people with families and children and everything else to be able to like have that extra time at home is valuable, right? And I think that is important too. And so it's not to minimize that. But I do think about the long, seeing the reintegration that we've seen among students, I do worry about the long-term consequences of being so isolated and being able to be in our own silos of our networks that we choose to associate with. So it's like the two people at work that we report to, or maybe they report to us and that's our team and that's it. But we don't have to like bump into the, have those awkward moments that like the coffee maker or the water cooler or something like that. We don't have that moment. And, and it's in those moments that we really learn to navigate how to live in like a diverse society and how we live and interact with people that we wouldn't necessarily will. And we're missing out on that. Because if you're having like a bad interaction, you can mute, turn off your cameras, say your Wi-Fi crashed and like log off, like whatever else you can like do those things. But when you're in person, you can't escape it so easily. And I think that's like the beauty of like what we're seeing now is the kids struggling through it to get through it. And I am hopeful. I still think there's a lot of work that needs to happen, but I'm hopeful that they will get through it as long as we like stick with this idea of having to be back in person. But when I hear talk of people like we need to work remotely, I I have like friends who like feel very strong that they it's almost become an entitlement that I should be allowed to work from home and this is something like this. But at what cost to social like cohesion? And I think like I think that is like hard because yes, we talk about like community and everything else, but if we are able to like retreat into ourselves and not be forced to work with each other and to really like struggle through those uncomfortable moments and awkward moments, then what hope do we have to like really build 
bridges and like keep ourselves together as like an entire city. Because if you can live in your own section and your own people, then you're never going to experience that discomfort. No, um, it's like curating your life. Yeah, well, people lament like divisiveness and they did, like, how do we come together and everything else? But then they're advocating for like these situations. And I'm like, then when do you have those uncomfortable conversations? How do you like come together with somebody that you don't see eye to eye with? Like, how does that work? And I know not you never agree with anybody 100% of the time, but like, I think that it is important to have these in between moments of yeah. like that can create something and can create change. And you build that bridge. It's harder to like dislike somebody that you see every day because of the fact that like you hopefully, and maybe I'm romanticizing the idea of like human interaction, but I think like there's everybody that you see, you can find something good in everybody. And there's something that you can enjoy in that. Maybe you discover that you both take your coffee the same way. I'm all about people who drink their coffee black and that automatically was like, Oh, that's great. If I, I drink my coffee, that's the that thing. But like, whatever it is, is how, you can build those bridges with people that you wouldn't necessarily be forced to, or people that you wouldn't necessarily think that you would have a connection to. And so I really do think getting back out there into the world is important for our future as a city, as a country, as a society. Exactly. So that is kind of what cancel culture is, right? Like just done. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's funny. I was thinking about that too. I was like, and this is maybe because of like work, my work with adolescents is that we're nobody's perfect, right? And we should be allowed to make mistakes. And it feels like some of the shifts to cancel culture is like everybody is in this way of like very like seeing them say one thing out of line, then you're done. Like I don't know when we moved to that point of like nobody's allowed to make mistakes. And if you make a mistake, you should be punished forever and you need to be like boycotted and like taken away. And I'm not and it's not to say there aren't some things that are egregious. But I do think it's, we need to be nicer to each other and we need to be able to like say, you know what, maybe their intention wasn't what it seems like. How do you have that conversation? Or if you don't have that conversation over Twitter, you're not going to have that conversation on like Snap or like making a TikTok video or anything else. Those aren't places for real dialogue and real dialogue happens in person. Real dialogue happens face to face from one on one or a small group and whatever else. And so the idea that like we are only going to be remote and do everything virtual further allows us to like only you see somebody that makes something that bothers you that makes you uncomfortable instead of like saying like hey can i talk to you about this i really want to understand where you're coming from and i really want to like try to help me understand that and then i'm going to tell you my point of view that doesn't happen in 140 characters you can't do that and if you have parents that are behaving that way then what do you expect your kids to i mean i see it now more than ever that he picks up all of our behaviors and it's annoying and it's always the worst ones right (laughs) it's like ah and you know and it teaches me and i know where you teach and a lot of the schools now have like you know a place where if there's an argument like there's a discussion like people sit down and do that i wish we could do that in the real world it can happen for adults i have a friend who works in hr and we tease they call her like an adult school counselor and stuff like that because of the fact that like Adults aren't, don't necessarily behave better because they're older. They need the same types of like forums and uh, ability to be able to talk that out too. And sometimes they need the structures to support that conversation. And we can, workplaces can do that and can be the place to do that if we allow that. We can't just assume everybody's able to like, that has it. And so we need to like be able to support that. But it is very important, I think, for us as a society to be able yeah. to have those real dialogues. You know, I was discussing a lot on climate and it's COP26 right now and everyone's 
out there and you know you look at it and it's the same stuff it's the same like we have got to fix this now or we're all going to die and the other 50 weeks it's the same stuff right and then those of us in general society who aren't the secretary general at UN right we're president of the United States. We're kind of like looking for people to fix it for us because that's the structure of the government. But I do think that it's all going to come within and that it's, like you said, small communities and having these discussions and maybe edging out the top tier of that caste system that has been created yeah. and that we'll fix it ourselves. Right? right. Because we have to deal with that every day. Like they, again, have that privilege and they do whatever. And, and particularly the senators. But, you know, like you said, I have friends who, you know, who aren't vaccinated and I have friends who have different political views than I do and all this. And it's very difficult, but they're also my friends. And my aunt's like, well, you can't see them ever again. And it's like, no, you know, we got to like come to a middle and understand you know, so I got to their opinion somewhere the same way I got, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't know, Seth, it's, it's difficult. If we like stay in this remote way, like how would you ever build those friendships nowadays? Like, I don't even know how do you build friendships with people that are like so different and have like these disparate views from you. Like it feels like that's harder. And I think that it's important. It's yeah. those friendships are super important, but like there's not the avenues that there's not the ways to like build that if we're staying remote, if we're doing Zoom classes and you're doing like just yeah. communication over Slack and all that stuff because you're able to disengage in a way and you're not forced through it. So I just think that is, it's so important to have that. And you're right. Like, I think like with that, I was thinking when you said about climate change, like that's a great example of like the importance of community and connectedness because of the fact that it is going to impact all of us before it's going to impact any of the senators right now. Right, like they're going to be okay. All hundred of them are going to be okay because that's just how that that's the way the system works. But it's us living here in New York City that are going to feel the impact a lot sooner and need to come together and be able to do that. Isolation is never the answer, and I think there's a lot of good things that have come over social media and remote, and that have brought people can have kept people together that maybe wouldn't. But I think there's an extreme, and I think the pandemic exposed that extreme that we really. We can't swing too far the other way. We can't like forego real life human interaction. You can't create that over Zoom in the same way that you can when you have like that energy and that physical connectedness that you do there. That is, it's just impossible. And we're seeing that now, right? Like we're seeing the difficulties of that isolation now um, and struggling through that. Yeah. And that you can't see the detection and that you see in person and you can see it on someone's face. That's an excellent right, point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So important. And, and I think people like assume, I think you don't know that you're not okay until you're forced to do something uncomfortable. I think we adjusted and people are like, I'm okay. This is fine. I could do this for everything else. And then now that things are coming back, it's like, oh, now I realize I wasn't okay then. And now I, I need more support and I need help. But you don't know that until you're like pushed a little bit out. I have a lot of friends who are dealing with social interaction right now and not sure how to come back. Like we sit and we go out to dinner. But what I do love about this time is that I think people are speaking about things more mm-hmm. and are feel someone who I wouldn't say who I would ever think would be open emotionally like that admittedly said, this is a big deal for me right now, just sitting here. Right. And, no, and yeah. I think that's great. 
that we have that people feel very that is like fantastic. And we have to talk about it more and we have to create more opportunities for people to have those experiences and the space to be able to talk about it and share how this is feeling for me in the moment. It will get better. It will get easier and it will get better. And I think that is, but it is so important. But I also think that we've come to realize that people need a little bit of a push too at times. Yeah. And mirror that for our children. Yes. Be open. I think that's really important. Like one thing I try to do in my own life and my own practice is just being like genuine. The idea that like people think like, oh, you have everything together. People will say like, I mean, kids don't have like a most accurate perception. Sometimes they're very perceptive. Other times they say, imagine things that aren't there, but they think that's the idea that like you have everything together. And it's like, no, no, be honest with the fact that I have this one piece together, but there's a whole, like there's three other pieces over here that are just really messy. And that's okay. Cause I'm going to get through that, but it's just being like, open and genuine and being sincere in your, all your interactions. That counts for a lot in people. I have found that people appreciate when you're sincere and you're your authentic self. They find strength in that and they respond positively towards that. A hundred percent. And you are, I love that you are so authentic in that you can just talk to you about anything. And I'm sure that the kids appreciate that as well, right? Well, so- and I appreciate that in them too. I, it is a privilege to do what I do. So. Well, we're at the end and that's you know where I was going to say that I have several friends and family teaching and leading in public school and we're public school parents. And first, I want to thank you for all that you do because it's like you're working for a nonprofit. I know you're not getting paid a lot, Seth. And I know that you know what it is. It's like a volunteer position. You're on 24-7 and it takes a lot out of you. And I think people need to just really sit back and... Again, you know, community, appreciate that and walk in each other's shoes and just take a moment, right? But what gets you up every day? Like you could leave and you could just go say, go take an easier gig, right? What keeps you going, Seth? And what keeps you waking up every morning and wanting to be the change for our public school children? Well, it's funny. We we started talking about community and I think it really is about community. Like the thing I love most about my job is that I... I feel connected to people in a way I've never felt before prior to, in other jobs I've had, right? Like, and I think that's the thing. And it's about like getting to see people every morning and seeing how they are and like helping them and learning about their life and learning their stories and hopefully making things a little bit better because they make my life better, like hearing from others and like being exposed to different experiences and scenarios and stuff like that. It's really great. And like families, are amazing. And it's just so nice to have that equation to feel super connected to New York City in a way that I don't think you get if you're not working in a school. And so maybe more people should come work in a school and you feel really connected, which is great. It's a privilege to be able to like work with families and their children and hopefully make this awkward time of life a little less painful. Well, you do, Seth. I can say that you absolutely do. So thank you so much for being a change and doing it every single day. We're going to finish with how can people you mentioned, is it New York City well, if you are struggling or if you know of your kids struggling, what are some of the resources people can go to? So NYC well has like an online thing is through Thrive NYC. You can go on there and you can search through your insurance company and Radius and everything else. I also think like if you have a primary care doctor, that is a great resource. They have a lot of referrals that they can make too as well. That's a really good thing. And I know people are always like, family and friends, but don't be afraid to ask your like friend. I like love my therapist so much. And I 
tell everybody about that. So it's like, okay to like ask that people like, you know, I'm really like having a hard time or I really don't know what I'm doing. My son is really struggling or my daughter and everything else and just be like, ask them too. So I think those are some really great resources. I mean, you're in, if you have insurance, then your insurance directory is monthly sales. But NYC Well is a really good starting off point. And don't be afraid to reach out to your school's guidance counselor and check That's in on your right. kid, right? To see how That's they're right. doing. I mean, and not just your guidance counselor. I think teachers more so than ever are attuned to our kids' emotional well-being. And they really do care. And they see things that counselors and you don't see because they see them in a very different way. So reach out to your teachers too and just say, hey, is everything okay? Or what, do you notice anything? They know it. And um, they're dedicated and they're trying to make this transition as easy as possible too, for not just for the students, but for their families. So. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Seth. And thank you for being the change. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and are inspired. We grow with supporters and listeners like you. So please share this podcast with your community and follow us on Instagram at bethechange.nyc. And to learn more about our guests and what you can do to be the change, go to our website at www.bethechange.nyc. That's bethechange.nyc. Thank you and be well.